Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? All right, awesome. You may be seated today. It's good to be here with you. I'm Nate Krizik. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life. It's good to worship with you. Uh, we also want to welcome all of you who are joining with us at our multiple different locations. We want to welcome you. If you're down in the venue today, that's where I hang out every week. So we want to welcome you. If this is your first time to New Life, thank you so much for being with us. Also, we want to welcome all of you who are out in North Platte. Thank you for being with us today. Woo! Yes! Absolutely. Hey, I just need a little tell you a little bit about, um, I'm, I'm originally from North Platte. Um, this church that we planted, um, it's, that's my home location where that church is, the building and everything. And uh, man, last week was our uh, grand opening. Um, and so we, that was super exciting. Some of you who were out there with them celebrating, but this is the cool thing you need to know. When the doors closed, they had a congregation between 20 and 30 people. But last week they had 192 people at the grand opening. So praise the Lord. That's exciting. So Thank you so much for letting us be with you. I believe my mom and dad are there, so mom, I'll blow you a kiss. <sighs> Hopefully you'll catch that. And um, my wife's here, so I'll blow you a kiss as well. <sighs> she's here with us. Usually she's down in the venue with us. Um, but, man, if you, if you ever go out and worship out west and, you don't, and you're looking for a church, go check out um, what God's doing in North Platte. Pastor Dave and Tiffany are doing an amazing job out there. So go and see that location and what God's doing and meet those people because we're all one big family. So I'm just giving you guys a big hug out there and down in the venue. I love you, Pastor Dean. You're awesome. So, hey, we're in the... Okay, thanks for laughing at me. That's cool. Um, we're in the fourth week of our series, I Am Second. How many people have just been totally blessed by this series? Amen. Amen. So today we're talking about success. And uh, do you remember what you wanted to be when you, grow up, when you were going to grow up? Some are like, ha, ha, ha. Well, the last couple days, or two days ago, it was Halloween, right? Did anybody have any trick-or-treaters? Yeah, a few of you? Okay, nobody likes to raise their hand in this venue? Okay, so we won't ask any more questions where you have to raise your hand. But I know that you're with me in North Platte and in the venue, so thank you for raising your hands, you people. You're awesome. Um, but trick-or-treaters, we had somebody come to the door, and they're like, I'm Spider-Man, and he's like, psh, 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 and I'm like, ah, my eyes, spider webs, that's what he's doing, spider, shoot, okay, read a comic or talk to Pastor Ed. Um, but whatever. And so, um, a number of things. I remember when I was growing up, I, you know, I wanted to be a duck hunter. So like, that's what I wanted to be. So duck dynasty was like who I wanted to be. And it wasn't, it was just like, oh, cool. You can just be you and just do stuff. Cool. But you, maybe today you wanted to be, maybe you were growing up and you're like, I want to be a fireman. You had this burning desire. Okay. No pun intended. Um, you had this burning desire to, to race into the, race into the house on fire and, and gather people up and bring them out. Or you, you loved, you're thinking about, you used to watch cartoons and they always used to call the fire department and say, my cat is in the tree. Will you help me? And you were just like, that is me. I just want to save the cat. Okay, cool. Whatever your desires were. Maybe today you're like, I'm, I wanted to be a banker. You're just really good with numbers. You're like, man, I want to make money grow on trees. I want people to be rich, and I want to help people do that, or you just wanted to be rich. Whatever. Okay, it's cool. Um, some of you, if you're anything like me, I used to pra- practice in my yard or on my, in my, my driveway. Um, I, want, I used to count three, two, one, hit the shot, and I would shoot the ball. And I would be like, dude, I want to play in the NBA. Well, I was never good enough to even play in high school, so there was no way I was going to make it to the NBA. But we have these desires. Some people wanted to be like a football player, or you grow up, you're like, I want to play Major League Baseball. Whatever it is, it's cool. Maybe some of you are a farmer. Anybody want to be a farmer? You're just like, I want to be out there and just plow the ground and make food. 
Okay, cool. None of you today. A teacher. You love people and you just wanted to help people. You're like, I desire to be a teacher. And you just wanted to raise students up and help them. Some of you ladies today, any actresses? Any actresses are like, oh, I want to get the starting role in the play. You desired popularity or to be famous. Other people, maybe this is you. The ballet dancer. I I practiced that this morning in front of the mirror, so I was like, let's see if I can do it. But whatever, you just had a desire. There was a passion in your heart. It's like, man, I just want to get out there and just do ballet stuff and just prance around and, okay, cool, whatever. Others of you, a doctor, how many people want to be a doctor? You're like, oh, yes, I get to help people and, and bring medicine to those who are in need. I, I hang out with college students, I'm like, oh, you want to be a doctor? And they're like, yeah, I want to be rich. So whatever it is, you know, there's a number of reasons why you want to do things, and I bet if we were to pull you today at whatever location, you would have a lot of different definitions for why you wanted to be what you wanted to be, right? Some of you are like, I want to be rich. I want to have a big house. I, I want to help people. I want fame. I want popularity. There's just a desire in my heart just to be this, this thing. Some of us are we're, we're looking for success for, in power and control. But the truth of the matter is that it's a big deal in our culture to be successful, right? A lot of people are focused on, man, I got to be successful. And just so you know, this isn't one of those I'm hating on success. Being successful is a good thing and it's okay. Having money is not a bad thing. So you're like, whew, okay, I got money. It's cool. I can have money. Raising your family, focusing on your family, wanting to raise children in the way that they should go and be focused on them, it's not a bad thing. Focusing on your schoolwork. I know a lot of people, we have a lot of college students. You're focused on your career and your schoolwork and you put a lot of time and effort. That's okay. Having a big house, having a business, all of those things are good things. Just everybody take a deep breath. Inhale and exhale. It's okay. Success is okay. Unless success in these areas has caused you to be number one and God has become second. Today, a lot of us are focused on different areas where we put so much attention on success where it totally blinds us from God and connecting with God. So today, you need to know God cares more about your success than you do and he truly knows what will bring you the greatest joy and fulfillment. Can you say amen? Amen. God knows. So if you're pursuing and running after things of this world, it's only gonna bring you temporary fulfillment. Today, anybody grow up in the church? Anybody remember the song? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Today, that's where we're going. So Zacchaeus, please come out. Hmm. Where do I start? Look, I, I saw what their armies did to our country. We lost. The war was over. And I needed to start thinking about survival. Our conquerors demanded a tax. And they needed people to collect that tax. The job paid well. The job paid well. I'd have to betray my people. It meant that I would have to take money from my best friends, from my own family, from the people I grew up with. But it also meant a good, steady living and having food to eat. 
I thought to myself, if it wasn't going to be me, it was going to be somebody else. They were going to get their tax. So I signed up. But people called me the most horrible things. I mean, my friends, people I loved. Sinner, traitor, blasphemer. I think it was the, uh, I think it was the last one, it was the last one that hurt the most. I never really stopped believing in God. But after the things I'd done, well, I was sure he stopped believing in me. My sins could never be forgiven. I was a tax collector. I was one of the enemies. I was a God-hater. That's what they called me, anyway. And I think that after a while, I started to believe them. I began hating what I did and who I'd become. What was I going to do? I couldn't go back. I I couldn't stop gathering taxes. So I got angry. And I got angrier and angrier. And I started taking more than I had to. And the louder they yelled and the nastier the names they shouted, the more I took. And soon I was cheating everybody, skimming more and more profits. And before long, I had more money than I'd ever dreamed of. I thought if I couldn't have friends, at least I was going to have money. I got promoted. Yeah. I got promoted from all the money that I was taking. And all that money, all that success... Made me feel dirty. So dirty. Now, I think it was about that time that people everywhere started talking about a man who forgave people. They say that this man actually had the ability to forgive sins. That God, God actually listened to this man's prayers. There were rumors circulating that this might even be the man that was going to deliver our country from our enemies. Now, please, if even half of this was true, I had to see this man for myself. Could he really forgive sins? I I couldn't stop thinking about that. And And then he came to my town. I saw the crowds coming down the street, and I knew that it had to be him. And with all the crowds and the chaos and how I knew that I'd never be able to see them. I'm I'm short. I'm too short. My money could never buy any height. So, So I climbed a nearby tree. And as I climbed up on the boughs of the tree, this man, he began to pass by. And then... And then he stops, and he slowly looks up at me. I was terrified. He's a religious leader, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tax-collecting God-hater. What on earth would he have to say to me except maybe to spew more hate and condemnation? Forgiveness? 
What was I thinking? I'm the enemy. A sinner. But he just stared right at me. And he he began to smile. Zacchaeus, he says, you come down out of that tree. I'm eating at your house today. What? I'd start looking around myself. Surely he's talking to somebody else, but he's looking right at me. And he says it again. I'm going to eat at your house today, Zacchaeus. You come down from that tree. Forgiveness. That's what that was. He didn't have to say another word. Jesus was offering me forgiveness. I invited all of my friends over for dinner. Of course, they were other sinners, other tax collectors. Not good men, not religious men. That's not who I hung out with. But this man was different. And after visiting with Jesus for a little while over dinner... I got up in front of everybody, in front of all of my friends, and I said, things are going to change from here on out. I'm going to give back everything that I'd ever stolen. I'm going to give back everything that I'd ever cheated with interest, and I was going to give half, half of everything that I owned to the poor. Yeah, I was a numbers guy. I knew that I wouldn't have anything left. I was going to be as poor and as desperate as ever. But after meeting with Jesus, money and success just didn't seem to matter as much anymore. Oh, I still consider myself rich, just in a whole another way. I am Zacchaeus, the wee little man who climbed a tree, and I am second. Right on. So today, if you have your Bibles with you, if you just turn to Luke, uh, Luke chapter 19, or if you've got a smartphone today, you can follow on the, the version if you've got the, the version app, and you can follow along with us. Um, we're going we're gonna to jump in to this first, uh, this first verse. There's a price for success today. It says in, in, verse, in verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. So some things you need to know about Jericho today. Jericho is the hub. It's very industrial. There's a lot of money to be made. So whenever anybody's traveling, they come through Jericho. And you have to understand that Jericho had been conquered by the Roman government. And so there was an opportunity. Some of you are not like Zacchaeus because you never betray anybody, but some of us are. And I would, put, I would consider myself probably more like Zacchaeus. The government comes and says, hey, we need some tax collectors. And what does Zacchaeus do? I'll sign up. There's money to be made. Somebody's going to get paid. Why not me? Maybe that's your heart today. Maybe you can resonate with Zacchaeus. 
That's what was taking place. So Zacchaeus signs up. He becomes a tax collector. The Romans come to him and they say, hey, here, put this percentage of a tax on him. But because we don't really have any super bylaws or anything like that, we're not going to really regulate. And you can just take whatever you want. So Zacchaeus figures out, oh, I can get what, Roman, what the Romans want, but I can also take a piece for myself. And begins to calculate and just begins to just bring in all of this money until they promote him. But there's a price for success. God-hater, sinner, betraying friends and family. Promotions and jobs just doesn't cost you, but it costs your family. It costs you time. There's a price for success. And he gets in the middle of it. But he, and he's going, oh, I, I, I'm a sinner. He, he feels this guilt and he feels this shame going on inside of him. And there's a conviction going on inside of him going, what am I doing? I thought it was just money and riches that were going to make me successful. But there's something deeper inside of him. And I know that there's something deeper inside of you that goes, man, I'm missing it. There's this guilt and this pain. Anger, greed began to set in. So today, success isn't just looked at in money. It's going to cost you a lot of different areas of your life. Whether it's your family, time, you name it today. And so Zacchaeus comes and he goes, here I am. I'm broken. I'm broken. It's costing him more and more. Anybody ever watch the TV show, uh, The Shark Tank? I love watching The Shark Tank. Got some people waving at me. Awesome. My wife and I, we sometimes, we sit down. If you don't know what The Shark Tank is, it's, it's five millionaire billionaires, entrepreneurs who made it happen. And these other entrepreneurs who are looking to become more successful and, and needing somebody to come along and help them, they come in and they, and they, they share their business. They share their, their game plan and the vision. And they always come in and said, hey, this is my business, and uh, I'd like to give you 10% of my business for $250,000. And if the numbers line up and everybody's happy, then the sharks will go, hey, I'd like to invest. But very rarely do they ever just go, hey, I'm just going to give you what you're, what you're offering me. They typically always come back and go, hey, I'm going to give you $250,000, but I want 25% of your, of your assets. I want 25% of your company. It's the same way with success. It always wants more of you. And if there's a desire inside of you, you'll never be successful enough. You'll be like, I want more, I want, want more, I want more. And everybody around you just begins to suffer. So today, the temptation of money, success, materialism, created in our culture... It distracts us from what's most important or from who is most important. So today, my question is, what is distracting you from making God number one in your life? What in your life is going, hey, it's just vying for the time in which you need to be just setting apart for the Lord? Some of you are like, well, if I had more money, then I'd be happy. If I had this or I have that, then I'd be happy. If I just can be completely honest, it'll only bring you temporary happiness today. Temporary happiness. But today I believe you're here because you want more than what this world has got to offer. See, this world can only offer you certain things. And then at the end of the day, it's going to be gone. It's very temporary. The, The word says where rust and moth destroy. Very temporary. So whatever it is that you're looking for, I believe only God can fulfill today. Only God can fulfill what you're looking for, the desires of your heart. Let's look at verse 3. Zacchaeus, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. See, this is a place where you and I, a lot of us, we might just go, oh, I'm giving up. I'm giving up. I'm too short. 
Anybody like that? You're just like, I'm not smart enough. I'm inadequate. I don't have enough to give. Woe is me. Zacchaeus could have said, you know what? I'm done. The crowd's too big. I'm powerful, but I'm not going to humble myself. I got a lot of money. He could have probably hired a crane or something to be built so they could just stand there and be like, hi, Jesus, what up? I'm Zacchaeus. But he chose not to. He didn't give up, though. He had desperation. There was something inside of him that says, no, I am unhappy here, and I don't want to stay at this place. And so what does he do? We see it in verse 4. So he runs ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. He runs. Zacchaeus. It says, some of the commentators say that he was full-figured. He ate well. That's what that means. He ate well, so he was plump. He's He's a little man. He's dressed to the hilt. He's ready to go. Because he's not going to be caught out in public wearing just any clothes. And he gets up to the crowd and he's standing in the back. Hey. When plan A didn't work, he made a plan B. Today, for some of you, you're trying to get to Jesus and plan A is not working. Make a plan B. Do not give up. Continue to pursue the Lord today. God wants to meet you in this place. And so Zacchaeus turns and he starts running. And everybody's like, dude, who, what, Zacchaeus, what are you doing? And he's running. And he finally gets to a place. And what does he do? He looks up and he sees a sycamore tree. And he climbs the tree today. He climbs the tree. He didn't give up. Because he had heard, man, this Jesus, there's something about this Jesus today. He saves. He forgives. He has compassion. He has love Everything that I want and desire. But I thought I would find it in success, and I'm not today. John 6, says this. No one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent Jesus draws him. Today, is Jesus drawing you to this place? Is Jesus speaking to you? Is he speaking to you today? Because he was to Zacchaeus. He was drawing himself. See, nothing in this world... When you're not being fulfilled and you're not meeting what God's design is for your life, you'll be completely unhappy. Today, Jesus isn't looking for, got to get this, Jesus isn't looking for successful people. He's looking for broken people. This hit me a couple, a couple weeks ago. I was in a convenience store. And this little girl, she's four years old, and she comes carrying out her mom's cigarettes for her. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, who, what kind of mom lets a little girl just like, hey, mom, I got your stuff? And she comes out the door. And I walk up to the counter and get what, I'm, what I need, and the lady's like, can you believe that? And I'm like, yeah, I can. Because right then in that middle of that, of that convenience where God speaks to me and goes, Nate, you're just as broken as she is, but you got a savior, and I'm it. I'm just as broken. So that idea of being broken, I never get fixed because I'm dependent on Jesus. My attitude is, God, would you continue to break me? that I am completely dependent on you all the time. That's where he wants us to live. Jesus fixes broken things. And for you, if, you, if you're the person that's like, man, I'm so religious, I got it all figured out, and you're like, can you believe the sin that these people are living in? No, you're just as broken as they are. You're just as broken as they are. Today, if you're lo- looking for a formula for spiritual success, it's not on the notes, Maybe you just want to write these words down. Here's the formula that I found last night. If you want to be distressed, look within. If you want to be defeated, look back. If you want to be distracted, 
Just look around. If you want to be discouraged, look ahead. If you want to be delivered, look up. Look up today. I don't know where you're, what you, what's going on in your life or where you're at, what struggles you may have or what joys you may have, but look up. Find Jesus. He's there. See, there always will be obstacles in your life that are stry- trying to stop you to get to Jesus. Time, money, a sporting event for your kid, work, pride, friends, physical elements, whatever. Will you just lay down? Oh, woe is me. I'm too short. Or will you persevere and look up? See, if you aim for wealth, success, and comfort, and pleasures of this world, at one point or another, they're just going to leave it, leave you hollow and empty. There's always going to be time when things are buying for your time, and they want to make you happy, but they're just going to leave you miserable. Maybe you haven't reached this point today, but I believe some of you have. Some of, uh, some of you today, you're just ignoring what God is speaking to you. He's saying to you, hey, if you keep barking up that tree, it's not going to be good for you. Today, will you be obedient to the Lord and what he's saying to you? Will you humble yourself? See, Zacchaeus had the taste of dissatisfaction when he heard Jesus coming his way. When we aren't accomplishing what we are designed for, nothing will fulfill us. Today, let's look, take a listen from a man that found great fulfillment after looking up. In 1969, it was July that the United States landed on the moon. It was a big year, great accomplishment. It was about a month later I landed in my mother's arms, which I think probably was a big accomplishment for her. So I had a normal life. I, you know, I don't remember much back in those days. Obviously, you're a little kid who went to church on Sundays and um, just had fun. Life was good. First time I really remember when I was first introduced to success was fourth grade. It was an evening. It was, uh, if I recall, a fall night. We were all in the kitchen. In our kitchen, there was this wonderful old oak kitchen table we always sat around and ate at. We always ate as a family. And uh, I just remember mom making dinner and dad came over and sat down next to me and said, son, we need to talk. Tomorrow, you're going to go to a new school. Like, whoa. And he could see. He goes, yeah, tomorrow you're going to go to St. Agnes Catholic School. I was like, what's going on? Little did I know, even though I thought the world was good, my parents realized that I couldn't read. There were big issues. And something had to change, so... The next day, after many sleepless hours, lots of tears, I went to school, not knowing anybody, feeling very exposed. And I met Sister Jean, and uh, what a gift. In two years, I was reading on the 12th grade level. I had, I had found success. I had been uh, prompted and incentivized to, to do well, and I did. There was... Uh, there was one hiccup along the way. I didn't like the religion teacher, and I got an F in religion. Um, 
that didn't go so well. Uh, they, they were taking numbers on who was going to beat me first, but uh, um, we got through that, and there was A's all along the route. In fact, all the way through high school, uh, I got straight A's. I was valedictorian in my class, uh, voted most likely to succeed, and succeed I did because that's what was bred into me. I was always incentivized to succeed, to meet my parents' expectations, other people's expectations, the school's expectations, and I did. I performed. I performed for everybody except for the wrong person. I should have been performing for God, but I didn't know that then. I went on to college, and I uh, graduated magna cum laude, 3.97. I just remember my dad last semester saying, just graduate, Chris, just graduate. Again, just setting those goals higher, the roots grew deeper for success. I built my first company when I was 17. I sold my first company when I was 24. I bought and sold companies hundreds of times. Um, it fed into success. Success became my drug. Success isn't all bad, but that's where all my time went. It's all I focused on. Business after business. They weren't all perfect. I, I had my failures along the way. And, uh, but I just took those. I, I, I let those just build on me to make me go for more, higher, faster, longer hours. I literally remember getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go to work. I'd come home at 10 o'clock at the night. I thought I had it all. I mean, I had this beautiful wife. I had these children that were coming along the way. But I had those things, but I didn't spend any time with those things. And that's where the wheels really started coming off the bus. Didn't know what to do with it, and I just kept running faster and faster. Then one day, it was a strange walk. I walked down the hall. I was going to go talk to the CFO about some of the financials. I loved numbers. I loved crunching numbers. And I walk in, and lo and behold, her, her dad's in visiting her over the lunch hour. And she introduces me to this fellow, white-haired, skinny guy, unbecoming. Bob Wine was his name. Oh, yeah, you all know that, don't you? Yeah. Well, I didn't. He was just Bob Wine. That was her dad. Well, as he was leaving that day, he swung by my office and said, hey, we've got a group of guys that get together on Tuesday mornings, and we... We check out business books. Well, they happen to be Christian business books, but he didn't include that part. He was just baiting me, and, and I took the bait. Uh, that was probably 2008. And so little did I know, I'd entered a game of chess with a professional chess player who was about ready to walk me through the game of my life. Life kept going. It wasn't over then. I, I had to fight it some more. God looked at me, and I just kept taking laps. I'd take another deal. I'd take another deal. But the wheels kept coming off the bus. I remember closing a deal one time, and the next day, it was Green Bay, Wisconsin. I, the next day, I just bawled. I didn't know who I was. The business had been me. I had created this thing, and it was now gone. I mean, I'd won the lottery effectively, but my identity had been lost. I was looking for who I was and everything down here. I wasn't looking in the right place yet. Weekends became... A terrible time. They're supposed to be family time, and I, and I love them now. But back then, it was just terrible. We'd work, and on Sundays, Sunday was a living hell at our house. We would go to church, and the kids would ask every five minutes, is it time to leave? Is it time to leave? 
my wife and I would argue every single afternoon after church on the way home. It was terrible. I would then use that as an excuse to go to the office for four or five hours and get ready for the next week and spend more time on what, quote-unquote, fulfilled me. It was bad. I finally looked up one day and realized my, my wife and my children didn't really know me. They didn't find any fulfillment in me. I didn't provide anything for them. I mean, after all, I didn't give them the time they deserved. And as the world started coming down around me and crashing, I went to visit that chess player. And it was a tough day, man. I was, I was mad. I was angry. And uh, he says, it's still your turn, Chris. You're the leader of your family, right? Well, I'd been the leader of a business, but I hadn't been the leader of my family. I'd been far from it. But on that day in April... 2011, Pastor Wine brought me to the trailhead of accepting Christ, patted me on the back, gave me a hug, and sent me on my way. And that afternoon in my office at home, I just looked at it. <laughs> Something so simple to, to, to step into God's hands, to accept him as your Lord and Savior. It's pretty straightforward, right? It, it felt like crossing the Grand Canyon. It, it felt like dragging the, the camel through the needle, if you will. But I did. I accepted Christ that day, and man, it was just like the whole world came off my shoulders. Just this great thing. And I, you know, I shared with some people, and that was wonderful. And, and the next day, the world started over again, and it wasn't easy. It got harder. I'm like, what the heck? You know, this is supposed to be just this wonderful revelation. Oh, no. Oh, no. God kept putting things on my heart and became, made me aware of things that, I mean, just convicted me of things I would do that normally I'd just take for granted. I mean, it was business, you know. I left a wake a mile wide when I did business. I was aggressive. But now I was aware of it, and I had to fix that. God has blessed me. The scales came off my eyes. I suddenly saw all the great things he had done for me. All these years, he had blessed me with a good business. He blessed me with a beautiful wife that stood next to me, even when I was not even giving her the time of day. Blessed me with four beautiful children. He blessed me with a business that, although it was my success, it was my drug, I still had to face it every day. And so, how do I deal with that? Well, he gave it to me as a platform to talk to other men. He gave it to me as a platform to say Jesus in the workplace which was very unusual for me. I wasn't sure what to do with that. We have small group now at my office. So I've taken what was my drug, what I spent all my time, and I've turned it around. Thanks to God. He gave me the strength to do that. He's since given me the strength to, to leave work um, for three months and go be with my family and figure out who they were. It was during this time that, you know, again, like I said, it, it wasn't easy anymore. I sat there and kept pulling on that darn camel's neck, and I was like, how many humps does this thing got in it, you know? It was crazy. Uh, but I kept pulling, and he kept blessing us. Uh, and he blessed me with, in ways that I never thought possible. Uh, it was just the other day I was coming home from a retreat with some friends, and um, I think it was my bridge radio had some verse on that said you know he doesn't keep score and i was just truly convicted because all my life i had kept score 
I kept score on those people who had helped me and those people who had not helped me. I kept score on my wife, my children, everything. And then it hit me. Wow. If he keeps score, this isn't going to be good. But I thanked him for his mercy. But I don't keep score anymore. I just thank him. I give back to him what he's given me. And I'm truly thankful for that. I finally looked up and figured out, here's who I am. He made me for a purpose. My name is Chris Hilliard, and I am second. Incredible. Incredible. As we continue to look at our our passage today, yes, Jesus knows your name. As we look, as we continue to look in verse 5, it says this, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in a great excitement and joy, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, and they grumbled. Today, Jesus knows your name. Jesus is calling you by name. Will you respond? Will you be like Zacchaeus, where you respond with great excitement and joy? Or will you just find yourself hanging out in the tree, Or maybe you don't even find yourself in the tree. You just find yourself in the crowd going, oh, Jesus is coming to my church today. No big deal. Did you come with great expectancy for Jesus to move, Jesus to heal you, Jesus to change you? Because that's what we find. We find that Jesus, when, when people accept him into their heart and into their life, he changes them. Zacchaeus was changed. He was changed. The other thing that he got today is an invitation. I remember when I was in, in junior high, I lived outside of North Platte. Out at, we, went to this, we went to this little farm school, and I had friends who lived in town and who played on a ball team, and I would see my friends periodically, and they'd be like, hey, did you get the invitation to the birthday? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, so-and-so is having a birthday, and it's going to be the coolest thing ever. And I'm like, no, I didn't. And the reason why I hadn't got it was there was a big snowstorm. And so the mail people couldn't get the mail out to our house. And so I'd ask my mom, hey, mom, did you see anything in the, in the, in the mailbox? Nope, nothing came today. So I'd go out and I would see my friends. I'd be like, hey, did you get the invitation? I'm like, no, I didn't. He doesn't like me. And so the next day I'd go, I'm like, mom, did you get the invitation? Is there something in the mail for me? And she's like, yeah, there's an envelope. And I opened it up and I was like, yes, I got invited to this party. It's the same thing that happened to Zacchaeus. He got invited to the big dance. He got invited to the party. Party, A notorious sinner that everybody ridiculed and hated, he got invited to. So today, you need to know that the lost get found. Never think that Jesus doesn't know where you are. He knows exactly where you are. He knows your name, where you're hiding, your problems, your misery. He knows, he comes, he seeks, and he saves. All who are lost and are willing to become second today. But today, maybe somebody's getting saved today and you're going to be a grumbler. See, this is just how I think, okay? This last passage, this very last verse that was on the screen, 
if the people had only known Jesus was getting them their money back, they wouldn't have grumbled. Right? Why, 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 why is Jesus going to hang out with this Zacchaeus guy? Zacchaeus was changing his heart. And if they'd only known Jesus was getting their money back, they'd have been like, dude, go get him, Jesus. Get us our money, praise the Lord. So this is the thing for you. If you find yourself as a grumbler, watch out. You don't know what Jesus is doing. You may never know who may darken this door by what they look like or what they sound like. You don't know what Jesus is up to. So if you're a grumbler today, if you're that religious grumbler, don't grumble. Pray. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your spiritual leaders. If things are changing in, at church and you're like, oh, I don't know what's going on and you just want to grumble about it, pray for us because we need your help to lead. Because our heart is, on this staff, is to see lives changed. We want to see as many people reached and lives changed and we need your help. Would you pray for us? Will you come alongside us and encourage us and pray for us? Remember that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the what? The heart. So today a heart change takes place. Verse 8, it says over here, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost today. Those who are lost. See, Jesus came into his life and he changed him. Zacchaeus, his idol was money. He worshipped it. But after being with Jesus, he was changed. He became greedy. He was greedy. But after Jesus, he became generous. Jesus changes people. Today, if you've come and you've given your life to Christ and nothing's happened... Has there been a true change? Find yourself today. We talk about it all the time. Find yourself. These altars are for the hungry. Find yourself today at the altar saying, God, would you continue to break me down, make me broken? Humble me, God, that I would not desire worldly things and make those my focal point. God, may you be the focal point. See, salvation comes, Jesus says, when Jesus becomes first and you become second today. Are there areas of your life where success is taken over? And it's number one, but Jesus wants to become number one. Mark 8, 36 says this, For what does, a ma- what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Today, what are you forfeiting your soul for? for? What have you put in the place of God? Today, I believe there's a number of you in all of our locations today that you aren't finding true fulfillment and joy because you aren't doing what God has called you and created you for. There's a lack there. But today, as the worship team comes in just a moment, will you allow God to speak to your heart? I'm not telling you to go quit your job. I'm not telling you to go sell your boat. What I am asking you to do is just come before the Lord and say, Lord, is there anything on my table, anything on my plate that I'm putting before you? Today, we're going to watch one more video of a professional football player. His name is Brady James on his story of success. Would you join us in worship after this video?